Yo, man. Boomus Rusty. I need to make sure I don't clip out there. Boomus Rusty. I'll say it quieter. You might have got it twice. Uh, this is the public access podcast on QGBN, the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Rusty Diamond, and today it is podcast number two for Monday, because two is a day. Two two works, two for Monday, two for Tuesday. Actually, I think I like five tomorrow. But today I have a very special guest. I'm going to just bring her on right now. Uh, Tammy Burdick, how you doing? Doing great. <laughs> Good, good. Um, so yeah, so we yeah, we were talking a little bit before here, and you know, getting, uh, getting getting things going, and so you're okay. I okay. Well, so what I can see. So this is one of the first podcasts I've done since uh, October. It's like six months, but this is a this is gonna be an audio only podcast. You don't get to see either of our beautiful faces. So what I can see though is I can see a book cover. Uh and what I thought was uh in the picture, I thought it but it appears to be some sort of uh, I don't know, like uh it's a magnifying hmm. glass. It's a magnifying glass. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was, there's, a, I there's thought more, it, there's more actually to the book cover itself, but it, it's cropped to fit. Okay. I, I thought it was a, a blowing a bubble, uh, like bubble jumpers, <laughs> but uh, I know. that'd be so, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you got some bubble blowing skills, but um, so, okay. So, I guess we'll, we'll go into the book and then we'll we'll kind of go from there because this is I since I can't see you, um, this is kind of what I can't see. So, um, so your book is. So I mean, is this this is a uh, autobiography autobiographical book or? It's more in line with kind of like a memoir that is catered specifically to something that happened in my life. Okay. Um, so what was that? So it was how, okay. Well, I guess one question is how is, how is a memoir different than an autobiography? Well, an autobiography would be more kind of like about my life and I'm not really too sure how to best describe what the difference between the two would be, but the the book, for say, is more about an event or a part of my life that I focus on. And it's when I left on a business trip several years ago, I uh, contracted an environmental bacterial infection from contaminated public water. And uh, it was quite the Aaron Brockovich-like journey because I really had to be very aggressive and active in my pursuit to get answers. And um, that's kind of how the alias that I have now, Diagnosis Detective, came about. It was my research and it was my advocating for my health that would give us the answers that we needed. I had the water at my own home tested. 
Um, I traced my steps back and ultimately we were able to link the incident to a business trip that I had taken. Where did you go? Um, I went to Connecticut. <laughs> Where in Connecticut? That is um, kind of not really disclosed. Oh, just okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to try not to go there because <laughs> I'm in Connecticut, so I, I need to. Uh, Whereabouts in Connecticut are you? Um, I am in between Hartford and New Haven. Okay. It was close to there. Okay. Uh, okay. Maybe, maybe like, okay. I, what I'm thinking is there's a, a name for a town that has to do with some other stuff some other kind of uh, disease that uh, started there. But anyway, so, um, so okay, so you're taking a trip to Connecticut thinking you're going to come out here and see some maybe beautiful foliage of sorts, see the, see the ocean, which, I did. which you didn't did. Didn't see the ocean. Didn't see the ocean. Okay. Um, and so you're on your trip are, are you you feeling okay during your trip or am i am i going to am i getting too much into the book right now i guess is the question no. i don't want to go and spoil too much of the book no um i felt fine on the the trip actually i had noticed that my hair felt like silk like it had never felt so soft before at least in a long time to the point where i noticed it and i even had a conversation with uh, someone that was there on that business trip and was talking to them about how my hair was so soft. I'm like, there must be something different here about the water. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, and uh, looking back on that conversation that got me thinking like, okay, did they not treat the water enough? You know, was this water from a private well? Um, and did they you know, it's like all these things just kept going through my mind. Like, why was my hair so soft? And and I do recall never smelling kind of like a chemical smell in the water like we do more significantly here, like in Cincinnati. Like you turn the water on, you can you can tell it, you know, it's treated. Um, are, you, are you talking about recently or are you talking about altogether? No, just just in general. I mean, okay. if you if you really pay attention, you know, to water in certain areas, you can kind of smell a you know chlorine chemical treated smell to to public water. Sure. But um, you know, while I was in Connecticut, I I don't you know recall that at all. And um, so yeah, I mean, I just had that conversation, but you know, like you asked, felt felt fine then. It was about so two were you, months later oh. when I started having symptoms. So were you at a hotel then? Yeah, I was at a hotel. Okay. And so, you, okay, two months later, you start having symptoms. And I mean, you're probably not thinking, not thinking back to your trip two months ago. No, I mean, not at all. I mean... I just started having symptoms and went to my doctor and a bunch of testing, you know, happened and I got the diagnosis of granulomatous mastitis, but it's very poorly understood and underpracticed in the medical community. And that's really what continues to be an ongoing problem. And I wasn't going to accept that. Like, 
there has to be, you know, a rhyme or reason of what is going on and what is causing this disease. And that's when I went on a mission to figure all of that out. And I had no idea at the time that once seven months later, (laughs) we ran a pathology test that I discovered in my research and had asked my doctor if she would run the test. And luckily she, she did. Um, we found out it was a bacteria called Corynebacterium cropenstedii, and the origin of that bacteria is mostly associated with water, sewer, and soil. And so, at that point, that's when I started, you know, really kind of ruling out the possibilities and tracing my steps. And had the water at my own home tested, and it was negative. And when I found out that there was another individual on that same business trip at the same time in the same hotel that contracted an infection the same way that I did, um, that's when it all makes, it it all made sense. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Holy cow. So how how about, uh, what is uh, granulo, I'll I'll just. Mastitis. (laughs) Yes, the one. You can call it GM. That's what many people, yeah, that's what many people do. So, what so, is G- so I mean, so what, what is GM? Yes, then? so GM is a understood as a benign um, chronic inflammatory breast disease um, that was kind of considered more rare in a sense, and it is definitely emerging. There's more and more women across the world that are getting diagnosed with this disease, and at first, it presents as cancer. So if you're going to run imaging on a woman that has this disease. Oftentimes it will look as if this woman has cancer on her initial testing. And that's what they thought I had at first. In fact, I was by RADS 5, which is kind of like a grading scale when you're doing a mammogram. And um, that is like the worst case scenario that you can get following such such a test. So what's happening when you get there? When you get that that five, by uh, five, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't know that at the time, um, but I had suspected that something was serious because my primary care physician had called and said, "I want you to schedule an appointment with a surgical breast oncologist." And this was before I even had a biopsy done that had been scheduled. And I'm like, oh. "But I haven't even had the biopsy done yet." And she's like, yeah, I just want you, you know, to be seen anyway. Um, I think it's a good idea. But she knew that my imaging was BIRADS 5, but she just didn't want to, you know, create that fear. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, but I mean, wouldn't it be good to tell you or is it just I mean, they the, don't want to tell you if they don't really know or what? She was being proactive, basically. Um, You know, she didn't want to have to wait until the biopsy results came through before then having me schedule that appointment. I'm sure in her mind, she probably thought it would be a good idea to have that appointment already set, scheduled and set so that when the biopsy report comes back, she's not having to wait more weeks to be seen. Sure. Yeah. Wait for uh, them to approve it and then, you know, be able to schedule it. And yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a process doing all that stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I've had 
a lot of experience, uh, you know, having to do that and waiting and yeah, I mean, just not knowing what, what's going on. Um, that's, uh, it's, but yeah, especially like once you know what it is, I mean, it's a different thing, but I mean, so you're just, you find out that you have, uh, you have this going GM. on yeah. the GM and I mean, at first so, I, was re I was relieved at first, like, yes, it's not breast cancer. And it was kind of presumptuous of me because I had no idea what journey lied ahead. I mean, this is a very deforming, inconvenient um, disease. And what, what do you mean inconvenient? It, it it's inconvenient it because I mean, it creates abscesses and they're painful and sometimes you have to go and have them drained at the doctor's office sometimes they drain on their own um so uh it, it's a you know it, it's a very deforming painful inconvenient disease okay so i had oh. no idea that i was going to be facing all of that in my future so so then i mean was it going to be, you know, what, what was that? I mean, what, what can I do now? What to, you know, how do I need to get right on to doing some research? Are you thinking, were you already a writer and I'm going to be able to write mm -hmm. about this one day? I wasn't a writer at the time. Um, I didn't think I would be writing a book on this, actually, but I did have it on my bucket list that I thought it would be great someday to write a book. And, you know, I've, I've written a lot of things in business, you know, training manuals and operations manuals and newsletters and, um, you know, miscellaneous content, but I've never published a book. And um, when I was laid off, um, at the onset of the pandemic, that's when I'm like, all right, I've got the perfect opportunity here. I've got a great opportunity to share my story in hopes that I can help so many other patients and doctors across the world. And I just rolled with it. So, so yeah, at first, oh, I had no idea. Ahead. So uh, what are you, I mean, how are you writing? Are, are you, is it all just you write? Uh, and then just go until you stop. Are you doing, uh, do you, did you make like an outline first or did you sort of know sort of a combination of the two? I did an outline of the chapters. So, um, and I didn't write the book start to finish. I kind of wrote it in different sections. Um, but I had already done the research. I had already lived through the story. So it's kind of easy in a sense um, to, to put everything together and, and to write it. So what order did you write it in? It's just, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't go from chapter one to chapter two to chapter three. I just kind of jumped around in different sections and then um, kind of put everything in where it needed to be. Did you stick with what your outline was or did you change your outline at all? No, I think I pretty much stick to the to the outline. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. And so, 
So, okay. So you're working somewhere and you get laid off uh, in whatever that is, 2020. Yep, 2020. 2020. And so then, I mean, a lot of people are sitting at home just stuck, not wanting to do anything or you know, a lot of people have different approaches to this. Uh, and so how, I mean, was it right away? You're like, okay, now's the time I'm going to write this book. Was that already going in your head? And then you're like, well, you know, I guess I, I'm not working there anymore. So let's write. Yeah, I had, um, I had been on our local news and I got a lot of people that reached out to me. Um, I had a lot of women in my support group for the condition, you know, just reach out, reaching out, thanking um, me for doing that. And when I was laid off, I'm like, this is like the perfect opportunity. I mean, just the feedback that I got from, you know, doing one local media interview, I saw a lot of opportunity to, to kind of take it to a larger scale and really to be able to help so many more people and take it across the world. And I'm not a person that just like sits around and, you know, watches TV or plays video games or doesn't do anything. I, I'm kind of always doing something during the day. And, um, you know, the pandemic was was a very different time for a lot of people. And I think the book was a really good distraction (laughs) from what was going on in the real world as well. Um, you know, looking back though, it was kind of like I was reliving everything over again because I'm having to write, you know, almost kind of week to week what was going on in my life for a year and a half. So, but now you've relived it. I've relived it over and over and over again now. I think this, our conversation today is probably hit the over 20 mark now for interviews that I've done, whether it be TV or podcast. So then, I mean, then why, uh, not why, but uh, so, I mean, is it becoming less and less like impactful or is it staying in the same just as like, I don't know what the word to like just as uh I mean so like the first time you found out and you lived it as opposed to now the you said the 20th time telling this story well I've um, told way more than 20 times but from okay a podcast, so for media for, standpoint yeah for media standpoint <laughs> yeah. so then I mean what I like how much if you go from it was a hundred when you found out the first time to now, uh, as far as how much it's, you know, really just affecting you. What, where do you think you are right now with that? I guess I'm not understanding what it is. So, well, I guess I'm wondering like, if it's still, if I don't know if it's just as like the first time you found out that they say, okay, you have GM uh, and, and uh, now it's been, you know, you've told the story, you know, you said 20 times on media and then how many times otherwise, is it 
yeah, it's still, I guess, as much of a shock and as hard to talk about, I guess, maybe it's a better way to say it. No, still- you know, I think it gets easier, like, every time that, um, you know, I talk about the journey and, you know, every every interview has been so different um, because obviously there's so many angles to my story. You know, I there's the business component. You know, I went on a business trip and there's the whole travel. You know, how can you travel more safely? There's a lot of things that people take for granted. You know, they go in pools and Inside Edition just last year did a story on pools in Las Vegas, where I believe it was three different pools there that they took samples from. And every single result came back with bacteria in the Las Vegas pools. Think about how many people travel to Las Vegas alone every year and don't even think about, oh, if I get in that pool, I could get a bacterial infection. So there's the whole, you know, environmental travel component to my story. Then there's the angle on, you know, women's health. You know, this is obviously a a woman's health specific issue, even though it can affect men, it's obviously more rare in men, more common in women. Um, So there's the whole, you know, woman's health or breast health component. So, you know, even last year I did um, an interview on the CBS affiliate talk show, Wake Up With Marcy during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, because this disease, if unresolved, the longer it continues to be unresolved, can potentially increase the risks of developing breast cancer. So there's that component. Then there's also the component of being your best advocate. Anyone who reads my book, whether there's an association to the disease or not, can benefit just from the sense of me stressing the importance of being your best advocate. Because so many women with this disease, if there's one major commonality, a lot of them do not feel heard. They feel dismissed. They don't feel like their doctors are very confident or knowledgeable with the disease. So the advocacy component to my book honestly can help anybody. And then there's, you know, there, there's so much to the book that with each interview, there's kind of like a a different direction or a a different focus. And sometimes we talk about all of it. (laughs) Uh, Well, so is there a, um, is there like a nonprofit or anything that has to do with GM? That is a great question. And actually, if I recall, I believe it is in my book that someday that might be the next thing that I do or, or create is some sort of um, nonprofit. Okay. Cause yeah. Cause I, uh... or maybe like a foundation, you know, some sort of, you know, foundation where people can donate, you know, kind of like for, you know, breast cancer. Um, yeah. Something Ex- of those sorts. Except for the breast cancer ones kind of. Yeah. I, I, I have my opinions about yeah. the, the the whole the whole Susan G. Komen Foundation. Yes, there's definitely uh, the same opinion with a lot of other people. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I I love the idea, but the uh, you know execution is great, great for her, very great for her, and that's about it. It's it's a hard one. It's I mean, yeah. So yeah, um, I think if I did something, it would be to hope to get more research out there to to um have a a funnel to be able to distribute information better as well 
um, something that I would like to see is a universal step-by-step process of what doctors would use for every single patient that gets diagnosed with GM on, on a global perspective. So I could see, um, you know, having some sort of, you know, foundation or whatever established to make something like that happen. Obviously that would take a lot of resources, a lot of people, um, a lot of technical background for that as well, but that's actually in one of the chapters in my book of what my vision of that would look like. Yeah, uh, starting a nonprofit or 501c3 is not easy. Um, yeah, it's- Luckily, I'm well-connected here in um, Cincinnati to a lot of successful individuals who have a great aptitude for nonprofit and foundation, so- Okay. And there's more to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily I have someone uh, who, who did ours, the the other guy who runs mine and his, like, he's really good at that stuff. And, you know, very happy he was able to do that because yeah, I I mean, it's all about having someone who knows how to do that. Um, So, but okay. So you're in Cincinnati. Uh, What's your stance on Cincinnati chili? Okay. So I like it. Um, so are, are you blue ash or are you skyline or are you gold star or are you that's other awesome that you know that <laughs> I, I was actually... born in Cincinnati oh okay <laughs> yeah. I've never been to blue ash chili um if someone were to say do you want skyline or do you want gold star I would pick skyline but I am gluten-free and I live a healthy lifestyle so I don't go to either one of those places <laughs> okay well that that works out all right yeah um yeah, because it's, it's a weird thing uh, with, with uh, you know, Cincinnati chili. It's weird being able to explain it. And then once you do explain it, trying to get someone to eat it. You know, they're um, like, ew, cinnamon and chili. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, chocolate, cinnamon and chocolate. And it's going to be this. And you put all that cheese on it. Yeah. And it looks like it's a, a big mound of sloppy Joe stuff. And you know what? You're going to put it on top of plain spaghetti noodles, and then you're going to put kidney beans and onions and <laughs> oyster crackers. Where where else you had oyster crackers? And uh, yeah, like a half a, you know, maybe a cup and a half of cheddar cheese on the top of that. And um, yeah, if you're going five way. So, uh, but yeah, um, Cincinnati's cool. I, I I went out there couple years ago i think um i have a few buddies out there who um do some youtube shows and um yeah i went out there and checked that out but yeah cincinnati is a it's a pretty cool place i like it a lot over there um yeah i mean we have an amazing live local music scene um we have breweries it seems like popping up on every corner so people who are um you know beer drinkers or whatnot it's a it's a great place to to visit and experience that so what local music are you into in cincinnati um i follow one band in particular um the billy rock band um they're kind of a 70s 80s rock um been following them around for many years. Um, there's a couple other bands that um, I go see, but probably not as frequent. 
what what kind of places they play and are they playing at bars or you know fest local festivals or yeah i mean the live local music here they play at festivals they play at bars they play at breweries they play at different miscellaneous events um some of them end up playing at weddings so okay and uh so i guess with another thing like what what do you think's the biggest difference between once you go over the river into Kentucky and Cincinnati, or how much do you think there really is, or if it's pretty, pretty one and the same? Um, you know, I honestly don't go into Kentucky as much. That might um, be I the answer. Stay on the the Cincinnati side. Okay. I don't honestly even venture downtown Cincinnati too much. I kind of more isolate myself into the burbs but there's so much to do in suburban um that i really don't find the need to have to go downtown there's plenty yeah. of great restaurants there's plenty of great bars that are right at my fingertips i don't even need to go downtown for all of that yeah when i went there i drove through there i didn't even go into cincinnati at all into the town uh like the actual or the actual city i just yeah, stay in the suburbs, and I was cool with that. And you know, I see in the city. I don't know how you know how different it is, but you know, it's a uh, city's a city for the most part. And I think it's you know, good when people come to town just to even go to like Newport on the levee. You know, you can stand on the Kentucky side, you can look at Cincinnati from Newport. You've got the aquarium there at Newport. You've got restaurants. You've got bars. Um, you can easily go to the Reds game, or you know, you could go to the Bengals game. Um, so I think it's kind of like a a good area for people to go when they're just visiting to kind of take it all in. Do you go to any of those games? Yes, I do. I don't go to the Bengals games as much because um, it's cold with the the Reds. Uh now we have fc cincinnati but i am i'm not a soccer fan so honest honestly i haven't even been to to one of those games but you go to reds games mm -hmm. yeah uh okay how uh yeah i have i haven't been there since uh um riverfront stadium so it's been a bit uh so yeah i mean it's been it's been crazy the uh cincinnati thing uh i mean yeah, back in the day with, because uh, I, I got talking with this other guy who, uh, he's his name Cincinnati Picker, and uh, he does he has like a YouTube show, and we were talking about this, talking about talking about Marge Shot and that stuff, and uh, her with the, um, she always had the big, uh, Saint Bernards that would come onto yeah. the field and. I always thought that was cool. I, I don't know what it was about, you know, sports when I got some dogs out there. I was like, ah, that's pretty cool. But um, so. So, I mean, OK, so then when you're when you're going out then and you're going out. Um, you know, if you're going out traveling somewhere going, I mean, how much different is it now? How much are you do you ever feel like you're checking stuff too much to make sure that it's safe or do you know if like or is there such a thing as that or i am really hardcore when it comes to traveling and honestly um the job that i had at the you know onset of the pandemic i had to fly back to 
the Northeast. And I was so nervous for that trip. I was excited, but nervous at the same time um, because my home office was in New Hampshire. And yeah, I was very nervous about going back up to the Northeast at all because the last time I had been there, I had gotten sick. Um, But my doctor actually prescribes me a barrier cream, um, which I can apply prior to getting in a shower to actually retract the water. And I took that cream with me on that trip for me just to have better peace of mind. Um, I'm very particular as well about hotels where I stay. Um, I like personally to have, to be able to like open a window or put a sliding door to a balcony and crack it to get fresh air and get ventilation. Um, I don't know the history of all these hotels, if they've ever flooded or they've had hurricane damage or storm damage and I really don't have interest in getting sick from mold (laughs) that I can't see yeah Um, I am definitely more of a spectator now with my life which is unfortunate because I used to be you know more free-spirited I wouldn't think anything about jumping off a boat into an ocean (laughs) I've been parasailing I've been wave running I've swam with dolphins 15 times and all of that has completely taken a halt. I am, um, you know, I'm not getting in the ocean. I'm not getting into pools or spas or lakes or, or anything. The risk is just too high. And I am, for me, it's like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I don't want to have to waste another year and a half of my life for, you know, a half a day of enjoyment. Would you want to get back to that place or is that something you're just totally done with and for I think life. I'm just totally done with it. I mean, look at everything that's happening in this world. You know, there's toxic trains derailing. You know, now we've got the potential of what happened in East Palestine, you know, ending up in the Ohio River. And I'm not getting in any river of any kind anywhere. Um, even in 2020, the Environmental Working Group had detected um, PFAS or forever chemicals in the tap water here in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I'm not getting in carcinogenic water to begin with, let alone what knows what's in that river. I don't want any part of it. Um, And then take oceans, for example. There is almost consistent red tide in South Florida. And then just recently they had this, you know, big algae bloom that came in there. And if you do research on the algae bloom, it can contain heavy metals as well as other pollutants um sorry i don't want any of that and look at the brain eating amoebas that have been found in multiple lakes throughout the u.s um no thanks yeah um yeah and yeah the whole uh the the fukushima thing that's been going on for 12 years now too probably isn't isn't great that's yeah, just that's been probably uh, not ideal either <laughs> yeah but um so during okay so once once all this stuff so with the uh the east palestine um you know at that incident uh i mean even out here, I, I was looking on TikTok uh, and I was seeing people in Connecticut and Massachusetts with uh, all kinds of like weird film in their car and then doing that. 
so then like i saw on the news uh people doing the where if you like get down in the water and then it sort of you know looks like a oily oil, oil substance come up um yeah i mean it, it yeah traveled it just like sat over here and just dumped i mean is it i mean so cincinnati is far enough but i mean it seems like there's a different train derailment every day oh yeah now. i mean what montana just like yesterday or the day before i believe it was yeah and i it's I mean, like yeah, yeah. Before that, when was the last time you heard of a train derailment? Right. And then now it's, yeah, two every day for the last couple months. Or And then they were thinking about Cincinnati making some ridiculous billion-dollar deal um, to sell railway to Norfolk. And I'm like, uh. are you effing kidding me? Like, why are we going to give them even more access? They are definitely a profit before people company. And I don't want their irresponsibility company anywhere near my city. Like, it is ridiculous. It is an insult to us residents that they would even consider something like that after what happened, in my personal opinion, of course. Yeah, it's been a... It's been interesting. So, I mean, uh, with, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's bizarre that they would even try doing something like that. Just, I mean, because that would be basically telling us here in Cincinnati, like, hey, you know, we don't really care. We're in it for the money. And we're going to go ahead and sell them more railway regardless. Right. It's like, no. That that should not even be a possibility. There should be no question that after what happened in this state, we should not make that kind of move. Yeah. And I mean, was there any noticeable anything in Cincinnati um, as far as any with any of the uh, environmental factors? With East from, with the, But I mean, it was blowing, you know, out our way. I mean. Where, they was kept there... trying to say that there's a bloom and, um, you know, it may come through. I think it was supposed to be like on a Sunday, but it's just like, what about runoff? Think about all of the rain and flooding that has happened since that. When you have significant flooding, then that already contaminated soil is going to have to go somewhere. Where is it going to go? It's going to end up in streams, streams nearby. Where do those streams go? Eventually, if you trace everything from East Palestine, most of those streams end up into the Ohio River at some point. Like it doesn't take a genius to like realize the potential that's there. Not, I'm not saying that all of that contaminated water and soil is going to end up in our area, but just look at the look at the potential. Yeah, I mean, easy to get right uh, right in there and yeah, right into everything. And you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more train derailments that are going to happen now. Oh yeah, and I met Erin Brockovich last month. Actually, she was um, here. Um, doing a speech at Miami University, which I attended, and I had a couple minute conversation with her. And um, we talked just very briefly about what happened to me. Um, when, you know, I had told her about it, she made it seem like, oh, not surprised. 
um, didn't really sound as crazy to her, I guess, as it maybe sounds to other people that something like that could happen. But she had said basically every home in this nation should have their own water filtration. And I had asked her a question of what, you know, the safest areas that she felt in terms of, you know, an environmental or health perspective would be. Um, and she's like, you stumped me. And I'm like, wow, I stumped Aaron Brockovich. Everybody laughed, but she, you know, kind of pondered on her response. And she said, maybe some areas of Oregon, maybe some areas, I think it was Colorado, but she wasn't very confident in anywhere else being kind of environmentally safe in terms of my question. So Oregon's got enough of its own problems. Uh, I lived in Portland for over 30 years um, in the area around there. But I mean, Portland is not all of Oregon, which is important, I guess, now that uh, Eastern Oregon is trying to go into Idaho and is trying to become Idaho. And it's already passed in, uh, I think it passed in the House and not the Senate, but they're trying to over the Senate, I think, now maybe a Senate and the Congress. I forgot what it was, but it's already passed one way. Um, and so now it's just, yeah, it could go, but I don't know. But yeah, Portland. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this, this took, took a little bit of a different term. Yeah, Portland uh, is gone. It's it's way, way different. And it's, I, I like to say, I mean, there are some beautiful places out there in Colorado too. Colorado was great out there i really liked it but yeah um what so what kind of filter what kind of water filter are you uh you using so um, what are you doing i've had a shower filter actually for years um you know obviously well before the train um you know there's a lot of different um things that individuals can do i mean they can have a whole house water filtration system in um there's reverse osmosis there's kind of like a a canister um so take like a a berkey for example um where it can kind of sit on a tabletop so let's say that you know you rent and you don't own um obviously you're not going to put in or install, you know, water filtration, you would, you know, probably do something more like a canister, um, where it kind of sits on your counter. Um, I don't really know the dimensions, but, um, a Berkey is one that just comes to mind. Um, individuals can actually test their water at home if they want. Um, there's a test called at home test and it can test for over like 150 different contaminants. Um, so if anyone's worried about, you know, trains derailing in their backyard, that's always an option for them to do. Um, you can work with functional medicine practitioners. They're, you know, all over. Um, a lot of them will even consult and help patients virtually. Um, they're able to test for a lot of, um, you know, different microbes, um, different contaminants, um, so I'd highly suggest anyone that's interested in finding out kind of their toxicity level. <laughs> um, they can definitely work with functional medicine practitioners. Um, I actually have a functional medicine practitioner who teamed up with my surgical breast oncologist when I had GM. So it's not very common um, in conventional medicine, but my surgical breast oncologist was amazing. And 
amazing of her to 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 partner up with him on that so so when you found this out did you have to go to a specialized place did you have to go to like the mayo clinic or anything or since it's so uncommon were yeah, you somewhere so, were you able to get you know your own care your own um, care team at first i went to an infectious disease specialist um i honestly felt like I had more knowledge in the condition than she did. And I actually went very prepared to that appointment with a list of tests that I thought we should run or at least consider to help look for underlying causes for my condition. Um, We went through that list together. I mean, she was open to doing that. And we determined kind of what seemed more um, you know, it was potential or, or logical and then, you know, kind of eliminated things that didn't make sense. Like, you know, if I didn't go to Africa, you know, I'm not probably going to have XYZ disease. <laughs> um, yeah, probably not. But the initial testing that I had really didn't give us any more answers. And she was just kind of like, eh. Um, oh. But one thing that I do want to mention is in my original biopsy pathology report, um, the culture came back showing diphtheroid bacteria and the infectious disease specialist actually dismissed that finding altogether. She was like, I just think it's a contaminated sample or part of your natural skin flora. I don't really so, think it's anything we need to treat. You know, you could take antibiotics for two weeks if you want, but you don't have to. And I'm like, well, why would I want to take antibiotics if I don't have to take antibiotics? Huh. Like that's just going to be bad for my gut. Right. So. I'm just like, I don't know about this doctor. And I went back and I was honest with my surgical breast oncologist. I'm like, I just don't like that person. Like, I'm not confident in them. I don't get a good vibe or feeling with this person. I don't want to work with them. And she's like, you don't have to. Yep. There's a lot of, there's a lot of doctors in this world. And um, yeah, I tell people that with me, with me being a hypnotist, I'm like, not everyone likes me and I'm all right with that. But you know what? (laughs) Don't, don't dismiss hypnosis because you don't like me. There's, there's tens of thousands of other ones and same with doctors and therapists. There are so many of other ones. Like you guys, if you have something, you don't feel something's right. Like what Tammy's saying, go, go get another opinion. Like they might be able to, you know, drastically change your life. Yeah. So, uh, so one other question I was gonna ask about the water there, is there, there fluoride in the water there? Um, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I know there's PFAS in the water. To me, that's, you know, that's all I need to know. The, the water's already contaminated, in my opinion. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what's a little more? Yeah. <laughs> well, once you open that, yeah, uh, Pandora's box. So, yeah. um, let's see. So I guess, okay, so one other, like one of the last questions I have. So what was the difference between, if you're looking at imaging between GM and breast cancer, what's what's the imaging going to look like that's different? If they're, say, this kind of looks the same, what, or is it identical or? Um, That's a great question. Um, 
even though I'm confident in my knowledge and I can probably put on a white coat or a pair of scrubs and walk around a hospital, you know, all day and fool the best of the best. Um, I don't know a hundred percent how to answer that, but what I will say is in my imaging in particular, when they were first looking at my mammogram, it appeared to present itself as a breast cancer. When I looked at my original imaging, um, it appeared to have this webbing look to it. So I, of course, go to Google, and this is very, very, very early on. This is even before I was told I had granulomatous mastitis, and I Google, you know, webbing, and it's breast cancer, breast cancer, breast cancer, breast cancer, breast cancer. I'm like, well, that's probably why my, sur- I mean, my primary care physician wanted me to schedule an appointment with a surgical breast oncologist because I have breast cancer. And then, yeah, find out. And a lot of these women with GM, and this is talking from my support group, most of them are BIRADS 3, BIRADS 4, or BIRADS 5. So there's so- a lot. There's a lot of BIRADS 4s and BIRADS 5 with GM. So, okay. So a lot so, of women, it wasn't just me, a, a lot of women in my support group, you know, at first were also prepared for a breast cancer diagnosis. So are, do, you, do you go to the support groups with the breast cancer, the other uh, people that are at the breast cancer support groups? This, uh, my support group is for granulomatous mastitis. Oh, uh, not it has its own, has yeah, its own we have, one. We have, we have our own group. Cool. Okay. All right. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, so all right, I think that's, that's about where, where I was going. Um, and then, so, I mean, okay. Well, so, okay. I was going to ask a couple more things about your writing. I thought go I was ahead. done, but okay. So yeah, you're writing. Um, are you, what, I mean, are you writing it down? Do you have a notebook? Do you have a, um, you use your phone? Do you, do you go right to the computer? Do you write it on a, a bar napkin? What's, what do you like doing? You mean when I, when I write like for, for your book? book? Yeah, for your book. I, I literally um, wrote it from my laptop in Microsoft Word. Okay. And I yeah. wrote it from many different places. Um, I went to a coffee shop. I would sit outside. I'd sit on the front porch. I'd be in my bedroom. Um, I switched things up and uh, had kind of a different scenery when I wrote it. And I would just kind of write it when I felt inspired or if I had something like on my mind, I'm like, oh, I've got to make sure that I include that and I don't want to lose my train of thought and make sure I had the information there. And then, so being a writer, uh, where are you with uh, chat GPT and other AI tools to do creative work? I, I am a creator. I'm an inventor. Um, you're an inventor. I don't, want, I don't want something else doing the, the thinking for me. I, I want to do the work myself. Like I feel that's almost cheating. I, I think that those methods are going to put a lot of people out of work. 
Sure. So, you know, granted, you know, technology can have, you know, benefits. And I sure, I'm sure a lot of people is going to be on the flip side of that saying, oh, well, we can be, you know, more productive and we can do a lot of things faster and then we'll have more time, you know, able to spend elsewhere. Well, I still think it's going to put some people out of work. And it's just kind of like those automatic cars too, you know, where they have like, you know, invisible drivers driving the car. Like there's, you know, information on that where that can be very dangerous. What happens if the computer, you know, just shuts off? What happens to the people in the vehicle when that happens? Um, Yeah, I think they recalled some. So I think a whole bunch of them recently crashed. If I, I if I I heard heard that one recently. uh, I, I saw some of my franchise community um professionals recently going to a convention and a lot of them were well not a lot of them but a couple of them you know took those vehicles and I'm just like oh thanks <laughs> yeah and I, I mean now that I mean I don't know just one of those weird things like uh you know if you have like a uh war enough for your rest for whatever it might be um or if you know something else like that you know, they get you in the car, like, oh, I'm going to go ride. And then you get in there and locks the door, takes you right to the police station, drops you off. And um, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's going to take some getting used to. I've definitely seen some terrible drivers in my day that I'd be happy to, like, have someone that's not them. But then, you know, an autonomous thing it doesn't take very long because i mean it ha- the the way that it gets its information is from us still and like there was i forgot which record label it was there was a record label that hired uh an ai rapper and i mean what it ended up doing kind of the same thing there was a, a twitch channel that made like a seinfeld parody show that would just it's called nothing forever just go on and on and eventually both of them ended up uh you know saying stuff that i mean obviously it had to come from somewhere so it came from somewhere that it picked up trying to mimic what it was and yeah both of them ended up getting shut down so i mean eventually with the stuff we've done in the past eventually something's gonna go and pick up that you know it's gonna be something you know crazy but um all I know is I don't want some automated system <laughs> like ever trying to be able to tell my story because they're never going to be able to tell my story the way that I'm able to tell it. They're not going to know everything that I know about granulomatous mastitis. Sometimes I'm that confident that I know far more than what many doctors across this world know about this disease. And it's almost like we're turning into the world of the Jetsons, you know, the, the cartoon meet George Jetson. Oh yeah. 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 And you're going to see robots everywhere doing things. It's like, we won't even need people anymore. It's just like you walk into the grocery store, right? We, we don't have as many cashiers as we once have, you know, you're bagging your own groceries. It's, well, sure. It might be a convenience factor. You can quickly go check yourself out. Um, but at the end of the day, we're putting people out of work. If we want to create more jobs, we need to stop doing all this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, uh, so, I mean, so you think, is that the biggest difference of what you, like if, if someone had two papers 
and one of them was written by you and one was written by a robot uh, on GM, would that be the biggest difference you think of I, I think that you, you know be, more than has been published? I would be confident that whether it be a doctor or whether it be a patient, they would find more value in reading my paper than a paper from a robot. There's because... not going to be that personal factor either. Like I'm able to tell my story on a very personal level. Like all the gory details of my journey is in that book. Having to poke my breast with a needle as I watch blood and plus like fluid flow out of it like lava. I don't see a robot being able to ever come close to telling my story. I like that. Okay. Not, not that, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, yeah. So let, let's, uh, let, let's go there. I, that's not, that's good for it. Um, so let's see. So if people are going to find you, they're going to find you how I'll put this in the show notes too. Yeah, um, so they can go to Facebook, um, and I have a page there where um, I share information on GM and just, you know, kind of like positive quotes as well. Um, it's granulomatous mastitis book and tips. Um, I can also be followed personally um, on Instagram at diagnosisdetective.tammyburdick, T-A-M-I-B-U-R-D-I-C-K. And then and your book? book that can be found on Amazon. It is not available on the Amazon app, but it is available on the Amazon website. It is an ebook. Um, it can be downloadable to any device and it is available worldwide. Excellent. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you, uh, Tammy. It was great talking with you and getting to know you. And thank you everybody out in the world listening uh like subscribe share i've never said that before but i'm gonna start saying that and check out <laughs> check out this book here uh it's all audio so i mean you can't even tell that i'm swirling a pen right now so yeah <laughs> tammy thank you so much and everyone else thank you and that is the show man